right, well, good morning. It's great to see you guys uh, this morning. Um, my name is Seth. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Salem. And uh, if you're joining us online, welcome to you, or wherever you guys are at. We're glad that you guys are, are here. This is great, great, great place, great community. One of my favorite parts of every week is coming and seeing you and, and singing together with you, which is what we're going to talk a little bit um, about this morning. But before um, there, we're heading into fall season, right? And so um, this is a, a crazy, chaotic season uh, kind of around the corner for many people. I know that our family is preparing for pre-K, so this is a new uh, endeavor um, for us. And uh, maybe your kid is is back in school, or you're a teacher, or uh, you just moved in a college student, you know, moving day was yesterday. It's, it's kind of crazy how this, you know, kind of all uh, collides at once, and, and how fast that, that summer really goes. And so as we're prepping for the fall, um, there is a silver lining here, is that as fall approaches, that means football is, is around the corner, right? Um, and uh, football um, is kind of, a, it feels like, is the culture of fall. Isn't it? And I get it that, that football is not for everyone, um, and uh, and that's that's okay because football can be um, like many sports can be a confusing can be a confusing sport. Uh, many years ago, I was um, out to the restaurant with some friends, and and um, and somebody walked past and and saw this uh, Montana jersey, and they said, "Why don't they have one for Wisconsin?" <laughs> and if you don't know. Um, this is Joe Montana, um, who's a player, so it's not a state, uh, it's a name, and, uh, and so I get it, you know, football is, can, can be confusing, um, and for me, like when I watch soccer, or sometimes even when I watch hockey, like I don't understand all the rules, and so it's, there's a confusing piece to some of that, um, and so I think that's true, it's interesting, as we move towards um, this fall, like we're heading into um, fall, we just came out of the summer series um, called um, Oh, I was in Proverbs, and, and we were looking at kind of this main theme that kind of like was exposed in that, or one of the themes, is this idea of more, and that for you and I as human beings, that we desire more out of life uh, because we're designed for more, right? That's part of this, innate, like, this innately woven piece to our DNA, is that we long for more of God, right? But the tension is, is that we long for more of the world, right? And so it was this kind of this, this, this theme that was coming out, and challenge this summer, the theme was is there is more um, perspectives and, and frontiers is their thing for this year is, is made for more. And so this idea, this concept, especially that came out of Proverbs, has just been resonating in my heart. And, and part of why I think that's significant is because as we head into this new season, this new chapter, really, of, of the church, right, the large sea church coming out of the pandemic, I feel like there's this, some confusion at times. Um, and we're trying to, we're trying to reassess uh, as, as a group of people, like, what is church? Why should I even go to church? Um, and so there's this confusion around some of that. And so this morning, as, as we kind of dive into this, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take a three-week kind of stepping stone piece as to we think about the church and, and why it's significant that we gather together and ultimately what's going to come out of that in our fall series as we wrestle with the book of Acts. And so um, this morning, as we start with this, um, the perfect place to start is with the idea and the concept uh, and the act of worship. When we think of worship, we oftentimes um, probably reduce it in many ways to a single concept, to a single action, which is, is, which is what? 
singing, right? That's oftentimes the case for, for us, right? We think of worship and we think of song, but what we're going to find this morning as we kind of, as we dive into Psalm 148 is actually that worship is much bigger, much broader, and much grander than we maybe ever have really stopped and thought to imagine uh, in the orchestra that we play a part of when it comes to ultimately worshiping our creator. So um, before we dive in, I'm going to start here with something. Um, how many of you guys have heard um, the word hallelujah? Yeah, right? Okay, yeah. I didn't ask for a show of hands, but let's do it. Yeah, there we go. Um, hallelujah is, is a unique word. Um, it's a very powerful word, and yet I feel like it's a word that we probably don't, um, or even me, like we don't necessarily recognize what we're actually saying when we, when we say it. Um, and what we're going to find is actually this is in Psalm 148 a ton. Um, and so I just want to unpack this word for you here for a second, because in Hebrew, um, the word is Hallel, okay, um, which means like to praise or to extol or to give glory to. So ultimately to praise, right? And then the next word is Yah. So we think hallelujah, right? That kind of that transliteration and that's what it is. But this means praise and you think about these letters. What does this remind you of? Yahweh, very good. You guys are so smart. That's so awesome, right? Y-H-W-H, right? It's kind of what this is. This is shorthand for Yahweh. And so what it means is praise Yahweh. Now, this is interesting for a couple of different reasons, and we'll come back to kind of the outline for this passage here in a moment. But I want to unpack three things from this word because I think this is super, super interesting, right? The first thing, uh, and maybe you won't find it interesting, but I, I think it's very interesting, okay? So the first thing is this. It's, it's personal. It's incredibly personal, right? So oftentimes when we think about, like, praising God, sometimes we throw, we throw those words together and we think God and we put God. All of a sudden, God ends up in this kind of this esoteric, strange realm with like kind of kind of pie in the sky and we kind of forget like who's God and like you start wrestling with the concepts of the world and all those things and I feel like some of his interpersonalness can get lost. Now God is, is a word in the Bible that describes who God is and so it's a very accurate and biblical word and yet this word hallelujah is referring not just to the idea of generically praising God, it's praising who? Yahweh, and Yahweh is the interpersonal God who created the universe and engages with and reveals himself and talks to his people. And so by talking about it from the very beginning, praise Yahweh, what we're seeing is that this is very, very personal, right? It's not impersonal, it's very, very personal, hallelujah, okay? The second thing is this, and just allow, and I know I'm, I'm kind of like deep diving on the nerd here for a second, but I'll pull out. Um, like, PL, this is in the stem, the PL, okay, PL form, you're like, okay, I'm tracking with you, I don't know what that word means, but I'm tracking with you, PL form, second person plural, okay, and this, you're like, hey, that's so cool, I guess, why, what does that mean, okay, so this word, like to praise, like if, I, if it's just in its normal call stem, it means that I bring or bear something to somebody, okay, and in the PL form, it's like, it's like, it's like a good job, right, call, in the PL form, it's like an exuberant, intensive action, right? It's the difference between like, cool, God, and like, praise, God. Like, this is incredible, intensive. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like it's emotive, right? It's almost emotional. It's saying like, gosh, there is this sense in me that I am praising God with my exuberance, okay? So there's something very powerful about it that way. And the third thing is this, is that it's a command, 
which is a unique thing, right? So when the author uses this, the psalmist used this word, when he says hallelujah, what he's actually doing is he's talking to two sets of different people, and we'll see that in a second. He's talking to different groups of people, and he's commanding them to what? Praise Yahweh with intensive action. You get it? Okay? Right? Okay, so that's the word hallelujah. Now, the reality is, is that when you and I use this word, oftentimes we use it in context where we, where we don't mean anything, having anything to do with God, right? So, like, the, you guys know or maybe know that the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs are, like, my favorite team, and the Cubs, just so you know, just as an update for you if you're not checking ESPN regularly, like me, or watching the games, they are on a five-game win streak, Okay? which means that we have moved from like last place in all of the Major League Baseball to like, like the bottom third, <laughs> okay? Which is exciting for me. And there are times when you look at this, and, and in times and in context, we say, oh, hallelujah. And yet we do that in a way that has absolutely nothing to do with God, right? And so this word is, is in some sense, I mean, I, I don't know if I hesitate to say this or not, but like in some sense, this is a word that should be reserved. Why? Because the Yahweh is the personal piece in it. It's a powerful, personal, intensive word that we as human beings are called to respond to our creator in a powerful way, the way that we're designed to worship um, our creator, right? So um, here's what we're going to do. Throughout this morning, we're going to do maybe a little bit of audience interaction. We do this sometimes. We we don't do it all the time. Um, But there will be times, and just because, just to avoid the confusion, when I, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say hallelujah, and then I will do this, okay? Because um, that way you'll know when I'm talking to you. Um, I'll say hallelujah, and you'll say praise Yahweh, okay? Ready? Hallelujah. Praise That's really, that was really, that was really good. It was really good. Uh, one more time. Um, this is going to sound cheesy, I know, but with give it as much PL, PL intensive enthusiasm as you can, okay? As much as you can, right? All right? Hallelujah. Wow, that was so loud. I actually hurt my ear. I didn't, I didn't. I had an ear infection this week. You probably just burst my eardrum again. So, no, that's good. That's good, right? And it, there's this intensiveness to this. And as we turn into the Psalms, if you look in Psalms 146 all the way to 150, which is these last five chapters of this book, you will find these words, Hallel, Yah, all over the place. And so the book of Psalms ends around this theme of praising Yahweh, but nowhere does it do it as good or as emphatically as Psalm 148. And that's where we're going to start this morning, okay? So if you got, you got a Bible, uh, you can turn um, over there. But while you're turning, I just want to outline this for you. Um, here's what's going to happen. It's going to start with Hallel, yeah, um, and it's going to end with the exact same thing. It's kind of the bookends, right? Hallel, yeah, Hallel, yeah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But inside, what he's going to do is he's going to talk to these two different people groups or two different groups, and the one has to do with the skies, okay? So like the heavenly host, um, it's kind of like the sun, you know, the, the moon, ish with a little boy, you know, fishing off the edge, you know, um, and then the stars, okay? That's what it's going to do. And the next one is going to be about the earth, right? And so it's going to come down to this space, and it's going to ultimately end with humanity, right? At the end of each of these, those, it tells you all about these things, and it's going to give you two reasons. That's supposed to be a two, it kind of looks like an S. Um, two reasons as to why each of these groups is meant to praise God. And then it ends, though, with Hallel 
Yeah, so we're going to see these groups. And you go, okay, I've never really thought about worship as these two things kind of joining forces to praise and to worship the creator, but that's ultimately what we're going to find. So chapter 148, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. So, so what he does is the psalmist starts with this idea of this, this community or group of, of beings that surround God, right? The heavenly hosts, these angels, all of these people, right? But then he moves into the kind of this more natural created order. And he says, praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. So it's kind of like what he does is he takes the sun and the moon, which we'll talk about here in a second. He takes the two things that are closest to us and he moves into the stars, into the galaxy. So there's these two things, right, that kind of regulate day and night and he's going he's gonna to move us geographically in, in some sense, in a very vague way, but through the universe into the very stars beyond, okay? But here's what he says. Here's these two reasons. Here's why. Here's why they should, they should praise or worship God. It says, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. And so it has everything to do with the fact that they, they um, are created, not in the image of God, because that's humanity, but they are created in their sole existence, they worship God in their very natural form, whether it's gases combusting in a star, right, or a moon in its craters, or, or whatever it is in their natural existence, because they're created by God, are worshiping him. And we go, man, have I ever stopped to really think about this? But this is the way that, that part of creation, part of the cosmos, actually worships God. Right? And so he talks about sun, moon, and stars. And so before we get to the stars, just think about this. So the sun is our closest star, right? We know this. Um, and just to kind of throw some science in here, because that's good, and, and I may get, I'm not, I'm not a scientist, nor am I a mathematician, so give me some grace here. Um, and maybe some of you have heard some of these things before, but these are fascinating things. When you think about the size of Earth, as we think about ourselves into relationship to the entire, into our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, right? The sun, which is our closest star, you can fit one million Earths inside of the sun. Okay? That in and of itself should shock us. Right? It's massive. It's huge. It's one million times the size of Earth. Okay? The, sun, the sun is relatively small star in comparison to other stars in our galaxy. If you go all the way to this, this major star named Canis Majoris, okay? when we start thinking about the size of the Earth in Canis Majoris, you could fit seven quadrillion Earths in one star. And you're like, Seth, um, that sounds like a really big number. Help me understand. I would do my best, but here's the deal. These numbers are so big and so difficult that, that we can barely grasp them. They're so big, okay? So seven quadrillion Earths inside of Canis Majoris, okay? So when you think about this, we're used to dealing with hundreds and thousands, so you go right to the millions, right? One million seconds ago, something so super, super small, right? A second is so small, and yet a million is so big, right? Okay, a million seconds is 12 days. 
a billion seconds, 12,000 days. You're like, we just, we just shifted to billion, and all of a sudden we're in the 12,000 zone. Yeah, isn't that crazy? How is it something so small can have such a big impact? It's so big. You move to quadrillion, one quadrillion seconds ago, 30,000 BC. Seven quadrillion, 30 million BC. That's how many Earths can fit in the side of Canis Majoris. It's so big, it's, it's, it's almost unfathomable. A guy named Louis Giglio once kind of calculated all this, and he said if the earth was the size of a golf ball, you'd have to go to Mount Everest and put the, the, you know, the golf ball at the base of Mount Everest, and that would be Canis Majoris. It's so huge, it's so massive, it's so big. And guys, here's the deal, you're only talking about one star in our galaxy, let alone to cross the distance of our galaxy, 100,000 light years apart, right? To go from one side to the other, and then we're just one of millions of billions of galaxies in the, in the known universe. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane, the distance between us and the rest of creation. Like, check out this picture. Check out this picture of these stars. I mean, you could just, I mean, just sit here and stare at this. This is so calming. So beautiful. It's so beautiful. In fact, somebody told me after first service um, that, uh, that the shot like this is when you look at one of those stars, it's like holding a grain of sand on your finger when you put it out there. That's the, like the, the distance and the space of what you're actually communicating, what you're seeing. But that's a, a, grain of, a grain of sand. It's massive, the universe. And we're just a single tiny little part in, in the known universe. When I was a sophomore um, in, in college, I remember uh, going with some friends. We were living in Colorado, and so we took some, you know, some pillows or whatever and blankets, and we went out and at 9,000 feet just laid down on the ground at like, you know, like 11 midnight or something like this. And when you look up in the sky and there's no human lights, there's no artificial light and there's no smog, and you look into this space, there's this, there's this strange feeling. A, it's beautiful, right? But it reminded me of the song. One of my favorite songs is by a band named Switchfoot. And he says, when I look into the stars, I see someone else. Because you're, you're seeing the imprint of God in creation. And then he says, though, in response to that, when I look into the stars, I feel like myself. Because what it does is that it forces us to acknowledge the massive, sheer cosmos that in a blip with a word was created by Yahweh. And it reminds us of who he is and who we are in that moment. And so as we begin to understand just the sheer size of worship, we say hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it again, okay? Yeah. I love that. I don't know who it was that got caught off guard. It's like, oh, oh, no. Hallelujah. There we go. There we go. That was awesome. That uh, was fun, right? But it's not just the stars, right? It comes down to earth. Look at this in verse 7. It says, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Which, by the way, how many of you guys have ever thought about the fact that when hail falls, that that's, that's actually praising Yahweh? <laughs> like when hail comes and you see it, you're like, oh no, my car. 
My car's outside. And you know, this is, this is great. Like, if we could somehow animate the hail, like give them like a face and a voice as they come down, you'd be like, woo! Praising Yahweh. Praising Yahweh. This is what I'm here. I, I come from the sky and I pelt things. Praise Yahweh. You know? Like, it's crazy. And you know, it even says, you know, even talks about snow, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, man, when snow gets hard this year, and I'm tempted, and I know that all of us, like as soon as we lose that vitamin C from the sun, we're going to be like, but snow, praising Yahweh, part of creation, part of the way it's designed, right? This is ultimately praising Yahweh. And it goes on. He says, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, right? Here we are in this cramped little space, like, like in a building, right? And so let's get, let's get a glimpse uh, of what it's like to actually be outside somewhere other than here. First picture. Do, did anybody just like, just gasp a little bit? It's like, man, how beautiful. And here's a similar, similar landscape, but look how the color changes. You see, all of a sudden, it goes from this bright crystal blue to this deep purple and yellow, and orange, and the flowers to match. Who took this picture? I want to be there. That's incredible, right? It goes on. These other places around the world, this next one. This picture is so great. This is so good, right? This next one, man, that was really good. There we go. Our computer's going a little slow, but look at that. The green, the water, the pool, right? Who's like, man, I, I would jump straight in that pool. Me, I would do that. It's incredible. We go on. We start seeing animals, right, that come, right? We, we change geography. We see elephants and, you know, in, in the African wilderness. Look how beautiful that is. And then we change total climates, and we go to somewhere cold, and you see polar bears, right? We shift again. This, is, this, is, this one's so great. Man, I don't know if koalas are dangerous, but I just want to hug that thing. It's so cute. I'm like, give me. Give me, right? Butterflies, I don't really care about, but I figured some of you might like them, so, you know, right? So, and then birds, right? And birds, right? But here's the deal. It's not just this created order animals. It comes down and it finishes in verse 11. It says, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise Yahweh. Here's an interesting thing. As you look at this, right? It says, right, that his throne is where? His majesty is where? Above two places. Heaven and earth. What are the two places that he's talking to? Heaven and earth. He's like, as massive as this is, he's saying, my majesty is even outside and beyond. As crazy as that is. And here's what's interesting, right? He ends with humanity. Check out this picture. Right? Any, any moment I can get to celebrate my daughter, I will. Right? 
This is from Easter. She's like, like jumping exuberantly through the balloons, right? There's something about human beings that you and I actually worship God or we have the opportunity to worship God differently than the rest of creation because we are made in the image of God. And so part of that means that we have a choice in how and when and where and why and if we will worship if we will submit and surrender to the authority, ultimately, that God is. And what I love about this passage is that he actually combines, he's talking about all these different ages, and he talks about all these different like socioeconomic statuses. He says every single person, every gender, like male and female, every age, falls under this category that we are made and designed to worship our creator. And he uses the key word, and he says together. Together. It's very important. How many of you guys like music? Yep, okay. How many of you guys like orchestras? Symphonies? Is that the same thing? I don't know. <laughs> That's so, so bad. Um, so, like, here's the deal. Like, anytime there's more than a single instrument, I'm amazed that two instruments or more can hold something together. Like, play the same song. Like, let alone uh, an orchestra or a symphony and how incredible and amazing that actually is, and yet you have all these different instruments in there, right? And each instrument sounds differently. You have, you have oboes, you have trumpets, you have trombones, you have violins, you know, you have, I don't know, flutes, what, I mean, other ones, I don't even know. Like, there's so many instruments, like, you saw how clueless I am with worship, like, thank you for giving us Brady, because um, <laughs> I know nothing. Um, there's all these instruments, and the fact that they all sound differently, and each in and of themselves is special and unique, but put together into one, when they play the same song, is beautiful. It's beautiful. What if, I mean, I love, I love violins, it's one of my favorite instruments to listen to. What if you went to like a symphony and the violins were playing Oh Holy Night? Because that's a great song for violins. Oh Holy Night. And then the trombones burst in with Happy Birthday to you. Happy birthday. Like, like what if that went, like, like what if they were different instruments playing totally different songs, right? It doesn't work, but when they're together, all of a sudden, it becomes this amazing, incredible thing. And so what we begin to picture is that creation is like the instrument and the people add the voices. And when the song is the same, it resonates. It brings joy and life to the world because it's how we were designed to do it together. And, and if, I don't know if it you, but you look at this list and you go, why is it that humanity, if humanity is the apex, right? The apex of creation, the pinnacle of creation, created and designed in the image of God. Why, is, why are we bottom on the list? Why is it that like you got the universe and you got animals and there's humans? Why is that? You see, even though we are the most special of all God's creation, I think what the author is doing is reminding us as human beings that we are a tiny, tiny, tiny part in the cosmos of creation worship. Now, we worship differently and arguably better, but we are a small, tiny piece in the midst of all that is happening, and when those two come together, it's amazing. And we say, hallelujah, Praise Yahweh. Incredible. Now, we've got like 10 minutes left. And normally what I would do 
is that I would just stick with a passage and just kind of dive into it a little bit more, right, and give us a little bit more depth. And yet today, because we're starting this series, we're amping up for the fall, I just want to take you on this tiny, brief journey as we discover how worship, which begins in this massive umbrella form, a part of all creation, what does it actually look like in, in, in its pieces, and how it's going to start here, and it's going to go there, and it's going to go everywhere throughout the universe, okay? So um, when you think about this, um, we're going to trace that, that massive cosmos that, you know, that starts you know, here at Earth and it goes to the ends of the Earth. If you could trace a line and bring it back to Earth, because this is going to be the center of God's worship, right? Um, what do kings have? A throne room. What is in that throne room? A throne, right? And so this is where Jerusalem actually enters in into the story. Because if you come back over here, right, we've got this massive, brilliant, massive piece, right, of cosmos level worship that we are part of this huge orchestra. And yet if you trace it down, right, down to earth, it starts in this little tiny place called Jerusalem. And there's this guy named David, right? And David is arguably the best king in all the Old Testament. Well, what does he do? He captures Jerusalem as he's commanded. He puts up a tent on the top of this mountain, the solo single mountain, right? And he puts it there. And then what does he do? He brings the Ark of the Covenant, which you can go research and read about, you know, in your week if you want, but it's the throne of God. And so he brings it into this tiny little tent, right? It's not a grand building. It's a tent, and yet, as God's presence enters in and dwells in this tent, it's become so holy that God's presence here is like un unlike anywhere else in creation. And if you even walk in the wrong way, you die. Because God is holy, and sin can't touch it. Right? You can't touch it. And so when David brings in, as he says, I'm going to give God a throne room in this place, here's what he ends up doing. He celebrates. He calls all of Israel to celebrate with him, and he gives us this glimpse of worship. Just check this out in 1 Chronicles 16. He says, sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Why? For great is the Lord and greatly to be hallel, praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. What is worship? You see, oftentimes when we think of worship, we move immediately to song. And yet David describes something a little bit differently here. Check this out. He talks. He gives us this list. He says, worship is these things. It starts with what? What does he say? Singing. It starts with singing, and singing is this natural byproduct of being created in the image of God. When we submit and surrender and understand that God is who he says he is, and I go, I'm all, all on board with who you are, there's this worship that flows out of me, and it's intrinsic to who we are. 
as humanities. And it looks a lot of different ways. When I was in college, um, I met this guy at, at college, and we were going to go to chapel. And I introduced myself. I said, hey, my name is Seth. And he said, cool, my name is Lightning. I said, man, that's a, such a fun name. Um, must be like a nickname, right? So what's your real name? He goes, Lightning. Immediately, I was like, you and I are very different people. Right? We're, like, we're not, like, I'm not sure what's happening here. I didn't understand the dynamics of that. But he's like, hey, let's go to chapel. Yeah, let's go. All in. So we go to chapel, and the music starts, and I'm, and I'm standing in my chair in my usual Seth, Nebraska, you know, free church way. Singing. This was me, right? Right? Because this is this is what I knew. And then all of a sudden I like see this glimpse out of the corner of my eye, and lightning has moved into the middle of the aisle and is doing all sorts of things that my body can't do. And I was like, wow, what in the world is happening? You know? And I here's what I wish would have happened. I wish in that moment, I wish that I would have acknowledged that man, he is praising God from the depths of his soul. He's giving it all that he's got. He's giving it everything. It doesn't matter what he looks like, right? I wish that. Instead, I did this. In my heart, nobody asked me this, but in my heart, I was like, who invited him to my shame? And I totally missed it. Totally missed it. You guys, worship is something that churches split over all of the time. Worship wars and styles and preferences. Let me tell you this. The style doesn't matter. You know why? Because it's not about you. It's about God. Who is worship for? Is worship for you? No. Worship is for God. It's for Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. So when we sing songs, whatever it is, we wrestle with the lyrics and we go, man, that is so incredible. This is who God is and we are celebrating the goodness of God. And I don't care how you worship, you can, you can worship God just as good this way as the person who's like doing other stuff in the aisle. I don't care. Here's what I want you to know. Don't be timid because you're afraid of what other people think. Because this is about God and he deserves the best in all of everything that you have. When you come and you sing and you're like, man, this is, this is the flow out of my heart because I'm part of an orchestra that is entangled with the rest of creation. Do you get that? God is worthy, right? Like Brady said earlier, who's worthy to open the scroll? Not us, but guess who is? God alone, Jesus Christ. That's who we sing to on an everyday level because he goes on. He says it's not just singing, it's telling. He expands worship. It starts with song because that's where we go to. That's in, we're, it's in tune to us. But he says it's also telling of his salvation day to day. It's not Sundays. Not just Sundays. It's Monday to Saturday. When you tell of his salvation, you are worshiping God. Third thing. When you declare his glory among the nations. So he expands. It's not just about days. Now it's about all peoples. So it's not just Sundays and Wednesdays. It's now Mondays to Saturdays. And it's not just to this group of people. It's to every group of people. And when it means declare, it means recount the goodness of God, right, among the nations. So it's not just like, hey, I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. God is great. Here's Jesus. Boom. Done. It's here's who God is in the breadth of all that he's accomplished for you and for me, that is worship. 
Next one, ascribing to the Lord glory and strength. Next one, we just gotta finish, worshiping the Lord in splendor and holiness. And lastly, this is Thanksgiving, is that when you thank him, last one, sorry, I think I'm giving thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Guys, this is what worship is. So not only is worship far greater and bigger and more massive and connected to the cosmos, it's a far broader category than singing. It's a life as worship that in everything that we do, we give glory ultimately to God. I want to end, as we start to end, we finish this. Just look at verse 35. It says, say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your presence. I love how at the end of this song, he goes back to the idea of salvation and how we say, gosh, God, it's okay for us to ask for things. Would you save us? But what does he do the entire first part? He worships God. That doesn't mean that God is narcissistic and it doesn't mean that he's gonna whine if you come to him and you say, God, here's what's going on in my life, save me, right? He's not gonna whine over that. But there is a peace for you and me to understand that when we come and talk and converse to God, apart from worship first, what we can end up doing is minimizing God and maximizing ourselves. Save us, oh God, and this is how we're going to end, okay? This is how we're going to end. We're going to come back, wrap this up real quick, right? Because what, what happened here is this massive cosmos, the throne room, enters down to Jerusalem, and he says, this is where worship starts, right here. It starts right here, right? Okay? Now, if you were to go back into the Old Testament, into Genesis chapter 2, right, you find this story about Abraham and Isaac, and, and what's going to happen is that he's going to sacrifice his son, but God is, is, or excuse me, Abraham is trusting that God will provide a lamb. And when he gets there, God provides a ram, and so he sacrifices a ram instead. The lamb itself is an illusion or is reference to Jesus Christ who will be the lamb for us. Here's the key. You're like, why tell me that? Here's why. Because it's on the exact same mountain as Jerusalem way earlier. He says, this is where it's going to start. But when Jesus enters into the scene, things are going to radically change. You see, what happened is that over time in Jerusalem with certain key people and leaders is that worship became constricted and confined to a space. It says, this is where worship is. And Jesus, as he enters into the scene, he says, nope, that's not right. That's not the way that it's designed. It starts here, but guess what? It's going to go there as well. And so he takes like what was started as this massive cosmos worship that's been confined and constrained over time into the temple. Jesus enters in the scene and he's going to blow it back out into the world. He says it's not about this. It's going to start here, but it's going to go there. And he does this with the woman at the well, right? The woman is asking and she says, she goes, Jesus, I know that you worship on that mountain. We worship on this mountain. Which one is it? He says, neither. This is not about the mountain. 
He says, there will come a time, and the time is now here, when worship will not be about a mountain, but it will be everywhere. The very ground beneath your feet will be where you worship. And so it expands to this. And that's why this is so much bigger than these, because it starts here, it has an impact here, and what Jesus says is that it's going to go everywhere. Look at this in, in Acts 1.8. This is where we're going to be at this fall, is in Acts. I just want to give you a glimpse of Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and on all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Guys, worship is this. Worship is singing, it's telling, it's declaring, it's ascribing, it's worshiping, and it's giving thanks. Here's the big idea that I want you to leave with today, because this is where we're starting, and if you're looking for purpose, what is church and why am I here, I want you to know because what we find here is going to have massive effects, but what happens here is going to leave here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we finish our time this morning, but I, I, like I fully acknowledge as I think through this, I go, I know that was a lot. It's a lot to think through. It's a lot to cover. And yet, God, I just pray that for each and every one of us, that you would be giving us a portrait in our mind that you and I, that we together as a group of people are a part of a much larger orchestra than we ever imagined. As we think about the cosmos to the ends of the universe, as the instruments who by their very nature and being are worshiping you, that we as human beings made in the image of God would come before you, that we would look at the cross and say, Jesus Christ changed everything for me. And that, that we would respond in kind with the rest of creation and in full voice and with full voice sing to the Lord with this powerfulness, this PL power, right? Intensive power that says you are God and I am man. You owe, I owe everything to you and you deserve everything from me. And so, Lord, I pray as we move forward into this fall and as we prep and think about church, I pray that we would be reminded that what happens here leaves here, that worship isn't a Sunday, it's not a Wednesday, it is an everyday thing that is about singing and telling and declaring and describing and all the good things that life provides. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray.